Welcome to the Janine Boland Show, where we share tips from around the globe as we guide practical people with their finances using money tips, increase their incomes through side businesses, and maintain their sanity by staying in their creative zone. Hi, Janine Bolin here, and welcome to today's show where we bring you quality content on saving your time, saving your money, and how about staying sane during these continually changing phases of life that we seem to be going through these days. The Janine Bolin Show is a syndicated program of four different podcast shows that were combined in October of 2021. We had the three-minute money tips, the thriving solopreneur, the writer's hour, creative conversations, and the practical mystic show. These programs had been running since 2017. We've produced over 300 episodes, interviewed over 219 guests, and today we will be spotlighting one of our authors that is contributing to our 99 Authors Project, Dr. Susan Landers, who just so happens to be a neonatologist. Dr. Susan Landers is a neonatologist who worked full-time in the NICU, or the Newborn Intensive Care Unit, for over 30 years and raised three children to young adulthood. She has achieved more academic and professional accomplishments with a lot of challenges along the way, and there was one particularly difficult event that during her midlife that prompted her to make a career change. She loves to tell stories that reassure younger mothers who are working full-time that they too can be good enough, that's in quotes that you can't see, good enough moms. She supports mothers through her social media and blog posts. She also advocates for physicians and nurses and their mental health, you know, because seriously, the topic of burnout, tell me the last couple of years, right, and how they need to treat these serious concerns. And a lot of this is all wrapped up in a nice little package of her new book. It's called So Many Babies, My Life Balancing a Busy Medical Career and Motherhood. So thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Landers. Oh, I mean, you can call me Susan. Okay. I just, I know how hard it is. Uh, I worked as an analytical biochemist in the pharmaceutical industry for 15 years. And I always just got in the habit of calling doctors, doctors. Why? Because you guys went through crazy insanity to get that sheepskin. So I'll be happy to call you Susan, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm going to tip the hat to all, all that work you went through. So talk to, talk to us a little bit about so many babies. What on earth prompted you to write this uh, book? Well, I retired at age 62. I was recovering from burnout. I suffered through burnout myself at the very end of my career. And um, I took a couple of years to recover. And part of that recovery period was writing and writing about my favorite NICU patients and their parents. And I had stories stored away from 30 years ago. And one of the kids uh, was just finishing UT Austin and her contacted, contacted me and said, can we have supper? And it sort of prompted me to think about these amazing stories of tiny little babies or very sick newborns who were in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit for weeks or months who survived. And I wanted to tell the stories of what it was really like to be in a NICU, to work in a NICU, to be a parent in the NICU, although I never had that experience. I was a high-risk pregnancy early in my life and my career. And so I started writing my book as the NICU stories. 
And thought I picked out some good examples of the best, worst, and the ethical challenges and relationships with partners and other team members. And then one of my best friends said, you know, you really write about your own mothering experiences because you were going through that the same time you were caring for all these babies and getting them well. I said, yeah, that's kind of a good idea. So I wove together the two narratives. One was the doctor who interacted with parents, who cared for babies and healed them. The other was the working mother who, by the seat of her pants, learned how to do everything um, and raise three kids. I had a physician husband, so I was very lucky that he helped and we could afford a nanny, but I was gone a lot and I made mistakes being, by the way, I got permission from every family to tell the story of their baby and shame, no one would guess their identity. Um, I decided to tell the truth about my life too. Those two narratives became a true, I think raw and vulnerable story of how I matured as a physician caring for all these sick babies and how I matured as a mother caring for three kids, making mistakes along the way, but also having plenty of successes and so I think the book is meant to portray this notion of the good enough mother works and raises her kids and does the best she can. And she's not perfect, but she really likes her job and she finds her work fulfilling. And that's a good thing. And that makes her a better mother. And that's the message of my book that Working mothers can do anything they to do, but it does take them away from being a mom, from being with their kids. And so that message, I think right now, especially is really crucial for young professional women, even not professional women working because you can't be two places at once. You weren't two places at once when you were raising your children. None of us can do that. And we all have to make trade-offs. And I think my book just addresses that whole notion of how one makes the trade-offs. Yep, I have to agree on that. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I really enjoy about talking to folks like yourself is you were really ahead of the curve when it came to being a professional woman in a heavily uh, male dominated area. And then not only that, highly specialized. I mean, you were in NICU of all places. I mean, come right. on, you know, right. that's considered high, high level, high intensity, high stress, um, that sort of thing. And one of the things that I like about our conversation is the fact that we're both scientific women and we were in the sciences during a period of time where there weren't a lot of women. And so, one of the things that is cool is that you're then transitioned from this very scientific world into the author world. And it's not like you took a lot of marketing 
classes to figure out how to sell your book. Uh, what kind of marketing background did you have? Did you have any kind of marketing background? None at all, Janine. I had no background as a writer for the most part. Well, that's not true. I wrote a lot of clinical research papers and published paper, papers in medical journals. Marketing? No, I knew nothing about it. I hired an editor to help me. He said, oh, well, marketing comes later. Don't worry about it now. And then I found a publisher and he said, oh, don't worry about it. Marketing comes later. Let's just get the book published and launched. So I was very naive about the process of marketing and selling my book. Yeah, most of the authors that I've been chatting with, it's very rare we actually come across anybody who has any kind of experience with that. So talk to us about what surprised you the most about marketing and publishing your book. Well, I hired a publicist. It was a recommendation from my publisher and she read my book and thought that going with the NICU angle was the best way to market the book. And she found me episodes on lots of radio shows, some podcasts and lots of print media articles, but that didn't help at all. It didn't sell my book at all. People were interested, but it didn't sell the book. And so I feel like paying money for a publicist was foolish and the return was very low. I mean, I, I didn't sell a hundred books. So what would you change if you started marketing your book today? What would you do differently? I would have created a launch group. I was not told how to do that. And um, I've heard other authors since describe how to do that. So I would do that. I would probably hire somebody to tell me about marketing on social media and how to use uh, that as a way to sell books. I would also get somebody to help me decide who my audience was. I, you made a comment when we were talking before that you thought my audience was women over 50 who enjoyed reading memoirs. And of the reviewers of my book, many have been in that category. But younger nurses and younger working mothers and younger nurse practitioners have also enjoyed it. So I have mixed about who I should be marketing to. And I would hire somebody to help me figure out who my audience should be. Glad that I chose a hybrid publisher. And um, I thought that was a wise decision instead of going with a traditional publisher. And I did not want to do self-publishing. I thought that was a way to really spend a lot of money and time doing something I didn't know how to do. I guess the, ex the answer to your question is I would hire someone in marketing that knew how to market books to certain audiences. And so this book that we're building, you know, with these interviews and that sort of thing is going to be gifted to 
debut authors. So authors that are like us when we first started, you know, no clue what we're doing, that kind of thing. What worked best for you when it came to the marketing of your book? I thought podcasting and interviews by podcasters worked well, but not until I had developed a landing page that drew them to my website where more information. And I didn't have a clue about that when I began. I thought I could just talk about my book and talk about my career on podcasts and that people would be interested and go buy my book. But that is in fact, not the case. Um, it has been enjoyable for me to meet other people and talk to podcasters. But I'm not sure that has sold very many books. I get you. And so what process did you try that was an epic failure at selling your books other than the, yeah, the publicist? Did you have anything else that happened? Well, the publicist thought that print media campaigns, having an article about me and about my book in certain publications around the country would be a great idea. And it costs some money, and I don't think it, it was worth it. I don't think people read digital or print media anymore. Uh, so I'm, I'm still uncertain as to how to best market my book. Honestly, a lot of authors say that, it, that it takes them a while. And once they hone in on how to market their book, that it will work for quite some time. And then they'll end up having to change it anyway, because the market will change. So mm. I think it's one of those things that we will always be learning. <laughs> we will oh always okay. be learning. But there is a process. And look at how much you've already built out. Like you didn't know about landing pages. And there's ways to leverage uh, people as they come to your website and stuff. And that that's stuff that you are definitely learning. So if you don't mind, yeah. what kind of story do you tell about yourself that gets the most laughs from your audience? Well, when I visit with the moms in the NICU, those are mothers whose babies are patients in the NICU and things are going well and I get to know the mothers and we talk, they invariably will tell me stories about their other children. And, and I'll say, oh gosh, mine are the same way. And they'll go, you've got to be kidding. You're a pediatrician. Your children are probably fine, probably normal. I said, are you kidding? No, nobody's children are normal. And when I tell that story, people always think that's funny, that a physician, a high-level specialized physician can talk to their patient's mother and share similar maternal challenges. And that always gets a good laugh. I love it. I love it when we get to humanize ourselves as opposed to being aloof, you know, like a lot of times right. was required in the academic worlds that we were operating in. Right. So what is the biggest change that you've seen in yourself since you started marketing your book? I have become more able to talk about myself and to promote my ideas. I am very proud of writing a blog and writing a newsletter, um, but I'm not confident yet in my ability to market my book. And so I've 
been a bit frustrated because in medicine, I was always, in my career in medicine, I was always able to accomplish whatever I wanted to do, whether it was in academics and write papers or whether it was in private practice, taking care of patients. And so this whole process of publishing a book and then marketing it has been more elusive to me than anything else I've done in my life. That may surprise some people, but it's true. Well, and I can talk to that specifically in the pharmaceutical way of there is no silver bullet yet for authors. And the silver bullet is that one broad spectrum antibiotic or that one (laughs) sort of medicine that I I knew uh, Susan would be interested in is that they haven't found that for authors yet. There is no one right way to market your books. What works for one author may not work for another. And mm-hmm. so that's one, of, that's one of the reasons I am setting up doing this book and writing this book in this way is because this all works well for me, right? But I also know that for debut authors, they're going to need the perspective of you know, I called it the 99 author project, but they're going to need a diverse range of authors to decide which, which one or which prospect or process works best uh, for them. And it's going to take some time. It's a little bit of trial and error. And so Mm -hmm. basically just to let you know, (laughs) you're in Mm -hmm. R and D. (laughs) You're in research and development. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Um, so what is the primary thing that you think has been the biggest reward to being an author? Being able to put my story in print and to affect some of my friends and people who didn't previously know me who read the book and go, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know all that came in the NICU, for example, Stephen Harrigan is a well-known Texas author. He wrote Gates of the Alamo and A Big Wonderful Ta- Thing. It's a complete history of Texas. And he read my book and he gave me a one-sentence quote that just really impressed me. And I want to tell you what he said. He said, not only is this book, A Peek Behind the Curtain of Care in the NICU, but also it is a meditation on the human cost endured by the caregivers of these very fragile babies. And I was so touched as quote and his interpretation. And he told me, you wrote a really good book. And so I'm like going, okay, if I wrote a really good book and he's a very well-known author and has sold many books and has written probably 10 or 11 books, why is my book not selling? So that frustration is still there for me. My hope is that as you continue to market your book, as you continue to step out and work with professionals, you will eventually, that frustration won't be quite as in your face as it is right now. So how long ago did you publish your book? Uh, Fall of 2021. So not quite a year. And one of the, there's two pieces of advice that I'll give you. The first one is the 
second book sells more of the first book. <laughs> ah, I've heard that before. And it, I it's haven't... quite true. It is quite true. I sold more copies of my first book when I wrote my third book and I sold 7,000 copies that year. Now, please realize wow. I was also adjunct professor at a institution. It, the year was 2005 and I had four small children. So marketing my book was not at the top of my priority list. So, right, but I still right. was able to sell 7,000 copies in that period of time because of the organic nature of having that third book out and doing that third book's launch. So that's one aspect. The second one is making sure that you're doing speaking gigs at least once a week. And that is something that you're already doing. So you just yeah. keep getting on podcasts, you keep talking to your readers, that sort of thing. And that will help you uh, sell more books. But it really is uh, start working on book number two, and then bring your readers along for the ride, like set up an online course or something like that, where you have them as your beta readers and talk to them pretty frequently about what they want to see and what they want to read, that sort of thing. You have so much information in your head um, right, between right. your ears that I know there's a lot there. And that sometimes will cause us to have analysis paralysis, as you and I are very well aware. <laughs> right, right. I do and, have an idea for a second book, and I just haven't moved forward with it. But that's a great idea to ask my readers, my newsletter subscribers, what they want to hear and what they would like to hear more of. Correct. And it's ever so helpful if you'll put down two or three ideas and you'll always have, as I like to call them, my little rebel readers. They're the <laughs> ones that they don't like anything you put down as far as an idea, they have a better idea. And those oh. usually end up being whole chapters in the book. My little rebel readers are the ones that'll give me ideas that end up being sometime in one book, two thirds of the book was based on the ideas they came up with. And wow. so I always look for those readers of dissension <laughs> oh, nice so, but just an idea those are just some ideas that because i understand the frustration and um is there anything else you any closing comments you would like to have on your book writing and the experiences you've had thus far uh no other than to follow up a question for you you mentioned who you thought my uh audience should be and I would like to know how you came to that conclusion. Did you just decide memoirs are read by women over 50 categorically, or was there another way you made that decision? I made the decision based on several focus groups that I've been a part of when I asked them why people liked reading my metaphysical books, the books where I talk about my spiritual journey. And the reason uh, I mentioned the women over age 50 that like biographies is that's what I kept getting over and over again. And since your book was based on your personal experiences, biographies sell very well to that demographic. However, oh. one of the points that I also like to bring up is there is a software, or not a software package, but a service, software service that is called Pick. Foo. It's P-I-C-K-F-U.com. And you can go there and it will help you determine where to move forward with your audience because there's hundreds of thousands of people that this particular service uses. And you can write out 
would you be interested in this book or would you be interested in that book? And I used that as an A-B split test for a lot of my book covers and the way I wrote up my book abstracts was I used PicFu. So I just throw that out there and that way you're actually getting hard scientific data points as opposed to just different people's opinions based on their personal experience. It's always better to go with A-B split testing. Because yeah. you may be surprised by what the data brings up, as you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you for that tip. I appreciate it. You that. bet. You bet. Anything I can do to help out a fellow author. Uh, any last thoughts? No, I just want people uh, to be kind to their healthcare providers, given what we've been through the last couple of years in the pandemic. Whether they're authors or whether they're just still in the trenches, uh, taking care of patients, they're really tired. Many of them are really burnt out. And I want uh, people listening to this to take a deep breath and think about how much of a challenge it's been to take care of patients for the last two years. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being one of our spotlighted authors, Susan. I appreciate you very much. Thank you, Janine. And that's it. Uh, Dr. Landers has answered all our questions and we have more information for you. All you have to do is go to her website and you can find that at Susan Landers MD, SusanLandersMD.com, where you'll be able to get more information on her and the books that she will be writing. And uh, we hope we get to see uh, here a lot more stories from her. Now, if you are an author or you know of an author that you would like us to spotlight, please visit our website at authorpodcasting.com where you will find the 99 Author Project listed. Now, we talk to authors from all walks of life, fiction, nonfiction, doesn't matter the genre, as we build out book number 12, which is advice from authors to authors, and we're publishing it in 2023. And this is Janine Boland signing off with you today and all of us here at The Eight Gates that produces The Janine Boland Show. We wish you a wonderful week and we encourage you to get your message, your story, or your knowledge out into the world and make it a better place, just like these authors are that we're interviewing this year. We'll see you again next week. And until then, keep sharing what you know with others. Keep shining that light that's just you. And don't forget to go out today and just do something that's plain fun for yourself. We'll talk with you later and see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Janine Boland Show. Be sure to subscribe to our show notes by going to thejanineboland.show.com where you'll find additional resources as well as the opportunity to sign up to receive our program in your email each week. Be sure to visit our sponsor at the8gates.com. Thank you.